What's up, guys? Are you guys excited to be here tonight? All right, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Derek Quimby. I am our campus pastor here at Chi Alpha at UNI, and I also work with the Chi Alpha at Upper Iowa University. And if you come here on a regular Tuesday, you'll see me playing a guitar usually, and that's so I can just hide behind in the back and just try to shred and do so kind of poorly, but it's fun for me anyways. Anyways, I'm so excited to speak to you guys all tonight. If this is your first time with us, let me just say welcome home. We're so glad that you guys decided to join us. We know it takes a big step, especially tonight when it's pouring down rain. I looked out like midway through a rehearsal. I'm like, oh, no one's coming tonight. That's like a hurricane out there. But you're all here, so I was wrong. Thank you. That's good. So seriously, though, if it's your first time, thank you so much for joining us. Please come grab me or Pastor Daniel, who is just up here, and introduce yourself. We're not that scary. We'll only do like some, like at least I'll try to do like an awkward bro hug. It'll make us both feel uncomfortable for about three to seven seconds, and then we'll be over it. So it'll be good. Daniel, I don't know, he might go straight in for the hug. He's not quite as chill as I am. Anyways, this is my one opportunity, so I'm just going to try to make fun of Daniel as much as possible. He's my boss and my older brother, so i got to take, like, the three seconds of time I get. If you are returning with us, thank you for choosing to come back. We really are honored that you decided to come back. That's a good sign. Hopefully we didn't scare you away last time, so that's good. If we scare you away tonight, again, blame Daniel. It's all his fault. I'm just here. All right, for those of you that just got back from fall retreat weekend. I know you guys are all so exhausted. I was going to say like full of love of Jesus, but you're all exhausted, or at least I am. So thank you for making this a priority. If you went to fall retreat this past weekend and God did something pretty cool in your life, would you raise your hand right now? I'm not going to call anyone. I just want to see, wow, let's give a round of applause to Jesus. He's pretty cool. All right, so if you didn't go to fall retreat or God didn't move in your life at fall retreat, that's okay. We have another opportunity in January called Winter Conference. So try to go to that. That's fun as well. And something I want to say before we begin tonight is that if you went to retreat and God did do something powerful in your life, you can't leave it at the campground. What that means is you need to get plugged into a small group. We have a lot of options. Go to one of those. Read your Bible every day. Make this family, make Tuesday nights a priority in your life. And I promise you, God will absolutely change your world. God's not in the business of doing things for a one night, for having a really cool Friday night once in your sophomore year of college. God's in the business of taking control of your life and making it way better. God's in the business of starting to drive the car that you call your life and to drive it to a much better place than you can by yourself. So please, don't let this be a spiritual high you had at one weekend and then let it die out to where you look back 20 years later and say, yeah, I was really close to Jesus for a weekend and then life happened. Instead, center your life around what just happened and let Jesus take control. Cool? I'm trying to figure out why this is doing weird noises, and I think it's because my shirt's too long. So that's not good. <laughs> so I'll try to tuck it in the back. I'll look like I have a ducktail. That's all right. All right. So if you did get, go to Fall Retreat and God did something, it's time for the fun slash hard part. It's relatively easy to go to a weekend retreat, get all jacked up for Jesus, and come back. What's hard is to continue that day in, day out, day in, day out. And by being here tonight, you're, you're on the right path. For those of you who didn't go to fall retreat, or maybe this is your first time, you're like, what is this crazy weekend they're talking about? And they have people come up here, and hands are getting healed, and all this crazy stuff. All it is is this past weekend, we went and hung out together with a lot of other Kyle students, and God showed up in a pretty powerful way. So that was fun. If you want more information, ask a leader, ask anyone here. I'm not going to explain all of it, but it's cool. All right, to kick off tonight, 
I wanted to share a story about my time leading small groups. So just so you know, I was a student here at UNI for three and a half years. And so I led small group for a few years. And I'm going to go back to my sophomore year at UNI. So that was my first year of leading small group. And in our community, there's this thing called morning prayer. I don't know if you've heard of it, but if you haven't, it's pretty fun. We go pray together at 7 a.m., and we seek after Jesus. And just like you're all thinking right now, the thought four years ago, whatever my sophomore year was, was 7 a.m., go pray with a bunch of other college students who clearly have not got up in enough time to shower beforehand. Like, why would I do that? So back in that time, we had similar thoughts. So to be honest, I think there was like three of us that came to morning prayer. We had a blast. We sat, stared at each other for 10 minutes. One guy usually fell asleep, and then we went home. It was fun. So my sophomore year leading small group, my co-leader Marcus and I decided that we need to get our guys to morning prayer. We're going to do whatever it takes to get them to morning prayer. So we told our small group the week before that we're going to go get breakfast at 6 a.m. So then we can go to morning prayer at 7 a.m. afterwards because food, and then they'll come. They're freshman boys. And come that Thursday morning, we all wake up, and I'm kind of sensitive or excited about these things, so I'm texting all of them at like 4.30, like, are you pumped for Villagin? <laughs> and no one's responding, but then slowly everyone responds, except one. So if you know a guy named Victor Martinez, he's right there in the middle, he's shaking his head. So everyone else from my small group responded except Victor. So I realized, well, Victor must be asleep and trying to skip breakfast and morning prayer. That simply won't do. So since I knew he was probably in his dorm, I thought I would go, some, I'd go a little, maybe, maybe cross the line. I don't know. We're going to get a little drastic. We're going to do what it takes to get him to morning prayer. So I got on my phone, and I looked in the UNI directory. So if you don't know, I can find where all y'all live. We can find your guys' rooms. So I found Victor's room. He lived in Bender. So this is at like 545. So I went, parked outside of Bender, stood outside the door, because I didn't have a key. I didn't live there, so I couldn't get in. So I just sat and waited until an athlete who had to go work out left so I could sneak in. <laughs> Snuck into Bender, looked at my phone, found his room number, went up how many of her floors it was, and I got to his door and I knocked. He didn't wake up for some reason. He wasn't there. So then I'm like, hmm, I wonder if the door's unlocked. <laughs> so I just checked. I checked. It's okay to check. <laughs> so I checked if the door's unlocked, and luckily for me and unluckily for Victor, it was unlocked. So we've gone this far. I, like, I got to get, get in the room. So I walk in, and I see him. I remember very clearly he's in the top bunk snoring real loud up there. And I'm like, Victor, Victor, it's time for breakfast. And he's sleeping. So I've gone this far. I can't leave him now. So I crawled into his bed. <laughs> Buddy, time for Village Inn. Victor's like, What? Needless to say, Victor came to morning prayer that morning. Let's give a round of applause to Victor. All of this to say is that sometimes if we want to see something happen, we got to be willing to do whatever it takes. Let me say that again. If we want to see something happen, sometimes we got to be willing to do whatever it takes, including crawling into freshman boys' lofts to get in the morning prayer. If my mom's listening to this, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to crawl into a... Never mind. Anywho. So, on a serious note, I know a lot of us in this room want to see God move powerfully on this campus. 
I know a lot of us were at Fall Retreat, and Steve, the pastor, was talking, was talking about God doing miraculous things on his campus and how he wants that for our campus. And I know there's a lot of us in this room that want the same thing. We want to see our friends come to know Jesus. We want to see every room or every seat in this room filled. However, when it comes to actually taking the steps to make this necessary and make this happen, we either don't know what to do, sometimes we get scared, maybe we get a little preoccupied with our own daily tasks, or sometimes we just get a little lazy. First of all, I want you to know that you're not alone. Every person in this room has struggled at one point in time to tell their friends about Jesus. It's not just you. However, I want tonight to be a night that everyone in this room commits to reaching the campus for the name of Jesus. I also know that there's some people in this room who don't even really know who Jesus is. Maybe this is your first time, and you're like, I don't, I'm not sure about all this. I don't even know if I believe in this guy. So why should I want the whole campus to know the name of Jesus so I don't even know if he's real or if I'm, if I'm not in on this? Guess what? That's perfectly okay. I don't expect you to come in here and think you have all the answers because none of us do. It's okay to be on a journey and try to figure out who Jesus is. But I am here to tell you tonight that he loves you so much. And my hope for you tonight is to learn that you have a king that loves you so much that he will, can bring you true healing, he can bring you restoration, and he can bring you actual satisfaction and a reason to live. With that being said, we are continuing our series, Every Tribe, tonight. Last week, we talked about how we are called to run after the one, how we need to focus on the individual, and how Jesus loves each individual one of us, and how we are called to run after them. This series comes from a passage in Revelation that says every tribe, tongue, and nation will worship God. This means we don't only want Americans living in Cedar Falls to know the love of Jesus, but we want every single person on this globe, no matter their background, no matter their race, their ethnicity, no matter what religion they currently have, to know the name of Jesus. That's why we exist. However, tonight, we're going to focus a little bit more on this campus. So the title of my message tonight is For the Campus. Tonight, we're going to focus on how we can reach the people around us, how we can reach our friends, our classmates, and something that I want to clarify, I'm going to say this term a lot. When I say reaching the campus, what I mean by that is we want the people around us on this campus to know the name of Jesus, to have hope in the name of Jesus, and to come and to know Jesus as their personal Savior. So when I say reaching the campus, it means having everyone on this campus fall in love with Jesus and say, you are my God, you are my Savior. So if you have your Bibles with you, could you please turn with me to Mark chapter 2. This is the second book in the New Testament and is one of the Gospels. And what the Gospels are, just the first four books in the New Testament that explain the life of Jesus. So at the time of the story we were going to read tonight, Jesus had just begun his ministry. And he was just going around healing people. So then Jesus went back to his home and people were coming to him. They found out where he's at and they just wanted to go get to him. Because they wanted to receive this healing and they wanted to hear Jesus preach. So we're going to start at the very beginning of this chapter and read verses 1 through 12. Starting in verse 1. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together, so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic, carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there. Scribes are just like the religious people of the time. So some of the scribes, again, they were sitting there, and I lost my place. Uh-oh. Questioning in their hearts, starting in verse 7. Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but themselves? Or who can forgive sins but God alone? 
And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your heart? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed, and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed, went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorifying God, saying, we've never saw anything like this. Let's pray together. Jesus, I pray that you show up in this place tonight. I pray that your presence truly comes down and that we all get a desire to see our friends know Jesus, that we all get a desire to see this campus come to know you. We love you so much. Amen. Cool. So I think this story gives us a really great blueprint in what it takes to reach the campus. All that reaching the campus is is bringing the people around us to Jesus, just like the paralytic was brought to Jesus. Our only job, get this, all you have to do is bring them to Jesus, and he will do the rest. I think that's really beautiful, because to be honest, I get a little scared. Like, how am I about to save these people? How am I going to get them to fall in love with Jesus? How am I going to do that? You don't have to worry about all that. All we have to do is bring them to Jesus, and he will do the rest. So practically, what does that look like? What does it look like taking these steps of obedience and bringing our friends to Jesus? Well, first of all, I think we need to realize that reaching the campus is a group effort. Reaching the campus is a group effort. You are not expected to reach the 11,000 students on this campus by yourself. Last week, we touched on this a little bit and said, if, and if you bring a couple people to Jesus, who bring a couple people to Jesus, and so on and so forth, that's how we get the whole campus to know him. So if we all come together and reach a couple people who reach a couple people, there will be a huge impact. We have each other. We don't, are not on a rescue mission by ourselves trying to go like solo on this and win them by yourself. I've never seen Star Wars, so I don't know why I said that, but I did. Okay. Verse 3 says that they came, bringing him a paralytic carried by four men. It wasn't one man trying to carry another man. It was four guys helping one. Four guys bringing one to Jesus. We can rely on each other to help get this campus to Jesus. One of my favorite parts of this passage is in verse 5 when it says that when Jesus saw their faith. It doesn't say that when Jesus saw his faith. It doesn't say when Jesus saw the paralytic's faith. It says when he saw their faith. So maybe the paralytic wasn't quite sure if Jesus could heal him. Maybe he was nervous about going to Jesus by himself. But the faith of the people around him led to his healing. We need to be like these four men and have enough faith to come together and bring our friends to Jesus. If we all come together, a huge impact can be made. So if you're in this room and the idea of telling your friend about Jesus absolutely horrifies you, I have good news. There are easier ways for it to be done. First of all, and I think the easiest path is to simply just invite them here to Chi Alpha or invite them to small group. That's doing it as a group. It's not all on you to go and preach, tell them about Jesus, read the Bible to them, get them saved, pray a sinner's prayer, and do the whole thing, the whole shebang by yourself in the union. You don't have to do it all by yourself. You have a family here that wants to help you, that wants to come around you and go on this journey together. And I, for one, think it's much easier to just invite a friend to a gathering like this rather than to sit and explain the theology of Jesus or who Jesus is all by myself. So all you need to do is get them here and let the Holy Spirit do the rest. You could also invite them to a small group where you have your whole small group to come around you and they can help you love on your friend and you have small group leaders who are a little more experienced to help you mentor them. So if you are new to Christ in this place tonight, maybe you just gave your life to him this weekend at Fall Retreat or last week at Kyle or something along those lines, you have no excuse to not reach your friends for Jesus. The idea that you're not far enough along in this journey is simply false. 
because you have people around you in this family, in this community that might be a little bit farther along than you, but none of us really know what we're doing anyways. But again, bring them here, and together we can get this done and we can get our campus to know Jesus. It's not all on your shoulders to reach the campus. Use this family to help you. However, that does require you to take a step of obedience and to invite them on Tuesday nights or small group. We're going to talk a little bit more about that later, but if you get one thing tonight, invite your friends to this gathering. If you, you're here, it means hopefully you kind of like it, so there should be really no excuse for you not to want your friends to come join you. So I want to give you an example of what this looks like. So my best friend from high school had zero relationship with Jesus while I was growing up. We never talked about it. I grew up in the church, grew up knowing Jesus, never talked about Jesus, and we hung out every single day. However, our junior year of college, he transferred here to UNI, and that year I brought him here to Chi Alpha. It was really hard for me to talk to him about Jesus in high school, but it was pretty easy for me to invite him here to Chi Alpha. And while in Chi Alpha, he came, and he grew a lot, and got way closer to Jesus than he'd ever been before. I even got to baptize him at Fall Retreat that year. There's a picture of me baptizing him. He grew up with no representation of the gospel in his life. His friends had, or his family had, didn't follow Jesus at all. And I got to baptize him because I invited him to hang out with me and my other friends. You guys have the similar opportunity with the people around you to bring them to the feet of Jesus and see their lives completely changed if you're willing to take one step and invite them here. This past weekend, the speaker was talking that it shouldn't be too hard to invite our friends to Chi Alpha because it's a big part of your life and you should want your friends to be part of that life. He gave a really cool example that it's not weird to invite your friends to a football game. That made sense to me. I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't feel weird about doing that at all. So why would it be weird to invite them here? It's just another part of your life. And that just really resonated with me. So I want us as a community to make a priority and a promise to invite every one of our friends who's not in a campus ministry here. Invite them to small group. If they're in another campus ministry, that's awesome. We don't want to steal people from other campus ministries. We're not into that game. But if you have friends who don't go to church anywhere and don't have any representation of Jesus, invite them here. Give them a chance to be saved. Give them a chance to not spend eternity apart from Jesus. However, sometimes it's not just enough to go after our friends together. Sometimes it takes a little work. And this is the fun part to me. So something I want us to realize tonight is that reaching the campus requires us to remove barriers. So if we go back to our story tonight, we will see that these four men were willing to remove any obstacles between their friends and Jesus. It says, and when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him, and when they had made an opening, they laid down the bed on which the paralytic lay. I did a little research on what these roofs look like because I was really confused. I'm like, how are you removing a roof? I've got, like, no mechanical knowledge at all. I can barely, like, vacuum my own carpet. So I'm like, how are we going to remove a roof? So I did some research. It's not as hard as it looks, but it's still kind of hard. So what the roofs looked like, they had big stones on them. And they'd put, like, dirt piles and more stones. They're, like, it was like a flat roof. It wasn't like today we had to remove shingles or anything like that. But they had to go pick up these heavy stones, chuck them across their outside, hopefully not hitting anyone. That would be unfortunate. They'd have to dig out the dirt, get all the dirt out, throw it to gently put their friend down. And something that I think we don't realize is I'm assuming, I'm hoping, that they also went afterwards, after their friend got healed, grabbed the heavy rocks and put them back. Because the Bible doesn't tell us to vandalize things. That's not good. We don't want that. So I'm hoping they put it back. I don't have any proof of that, but I just want to go with the good nature heart that they put it back. That's a lot of work to get their friends to Jesus. That's not an easy task. It takes a lot of work to remove a roof. 
to put people to Jesus and to lay their friend down. They didn't have like an elevator where they said one and put him down. No, they had to actually do it. They were willing to do whatever it took and remove any obstacle between their friend and Jesus. They loved their friend enough to go the extra mile. So what does this look like for us in the 21st century? Please don't remove this roof. We will get kicked out of here, and I do not want that. We just bought this projector. We don't want any of that. However, I think there are more obstacles than ever to showing our campus the love of Jesus. People come to this campus with such a disdain for church. Maybe they've been hurt or they've been judged by Christians in the past. We must break this cycle and have so much love and absolutely zero judgment for our friends on campus. We can't look at unsaved friends partying and say, how dare you? But instead, we must love them where they're at and just try to bring them to Jesus. Another obstacle that we have is to remove is our own fear. We must be willing to be uncomfortable and a little awkward to tell our friends about XA and Jesus. You may look silly. You may get rejected. You may have to step out of your comfort zone, but it's worth it. You might have to crawl into your friend's bunk to get him to come to Chi Alpha. That's okay. I put my stamp of approval on it. <laughs> Something that I think is so important. I know there's a lot of you in this room who say you're an introvert. Say, I don't have a personality that's easy to talk to people. And I get that. I totally understand that. However, no matter how easy or difficult it is for you to talk to people, you must be willing to count the cost and remove the barrier of yourself that you put up between your friends and Jesus. You are a barrier until you tell them about Jesus. So you cannot hide behind your introversion and say, that's just too uncomfortable for me. That just makes me feel a little uneasy to talk to them about Jesus. That is not a good enough excuse because that friend has a destiny and it's either heaven or hell. You cannot let your introversion be an excuse for not talking to them about Jesus. You can become the barrier by not sharing your faith and not inviting them to this place. Mark 8.34 says, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. You must take up the cross of your introversion, take up the cross of your feeling awkward, of you fearing rejection, the cross of any possible outcome of anxiety. You must take up that cross and bear it in order for your friends to come to know Jesus. What this practically looks like is sitting next to new people in your classes. So if you walk into class and you sit by the same people every day, and maybe they go to Chi Alpha, go sit by someone new. If there's a class that has like more than five of you in it, don't you dare sit next to each other. Go find other people. Your job is not to just buddy-buddy in your classes. Your job is you're on a mission. Every time you're in a class, you are on a mission to reach people for the name of Jesus. Go sit by someone new in the dining center. If you eat there every day and you have a meal plan, first of all, let me get them swipes later. <laughs> but also, go sit by someone new. Every time I've ever been in the dining center, there's someone sitting by themselves. When I was a student at UNI, I was that student. I went and sat by myself. And it wasn't because I felt awkward talking to people. It was because I didn't want to, because I was being lazy. And I know there are students like me that aren't going to make you feel super uncomfortable, but instead are just too lazy to go talk to someone. My biggest regret for my time in college is not taking advantage of the opportunities I have every day to sit and tell my friends in my classes to go sit by someone in the dining center to not be on mission when I'm on campus. We have to do that. We cannot see this campus know Jesus if we don't have friends outside of Chi Alpha. If all your friends are in this room, that is a problem. 
we have to step out of this bubble that we've created and get to know people in our classes, on our floors, and around this campus. If we want to reach the campus, we have to socialize with people who don't know Jesus. It's simply not possible to make everyone know Jesus if everyone you talk to already knows him. The math does not add up, my friends. Jesus' whole life was being with, not with, being with sinners. He was with people who were so far from him. We have to model that. We have to follow the model of Jesus and go make friends outside of this bubble. To be honest, I think a lot of times this community is a huge barrier to our friends knowing Jesus or to this campus knowing Jesus. What I mean by that is I think that we just sometimes want to hang out with Kyle for people all day, all, all day long. We just want to be with our people, our friends. But instead, what we should do is use this community to our advantage and be constantly outside of it with our non-Christian friends, socializing with them, and then bring them into the community. Go out, get new people, bring them in. Go out, bring them in. Instead of sitting here in a bubble, sitting with my community. These are my friends who know Jesus, yay. We have to be on mission we have to be willing to count the cost and abandon our comfort zones, abandon this bubble to go reach the campus for Jesus. I promise you it cannot happen. You cannot build your small group if the only people you talk to are already in your small group. We can't see this auditorium full, the dream that we've had since we moved in here, if we're not willing to go outside of the auditorium. If you want to see the kingdom of God grow, we have to count the cost. In order to make friends outside of our community, we must be willing to do things that maybe you don't enjoy. For example, join a club. Go find a new hobby. I remember at Welcome Week, there was that sword fighting thing. That thing was sick. If I was a student here, I would go and beat people up with the swords. That thing was sick. Ryan, who was back here on the base, I have a picture of him on his knees, like getting ninja style, like, ah, I'm ready to get him. That place is sick. Go join them. They need Jesus. Go join the eSports club. They need Jesus. Look around campus. There's plenty of people who need him. Go find them. They're usually in little sects of community by themselves. They're usually in their little groups. Go join those groups. If you know Tyler Martin, Zach Bielendorf, who was up here playing guitar, and Avery Schottler, you may know that they don't really enjoy playing basketball a whole lot. They actually hate it, and they get mad at me every time we play in a basketball game, but that's besides the point. However... Every year at the beginning of the year, they come and they play basketball with a bunch of freshmen. They're willing to make themselves look a little foolish, not to be mean on their basketball skills, I'm not very good either, but they're willing to make themselves feel a little foolish and do something that they don't really like in order to go meet new students. A story from my own life is my, back in my sophomore year, I was really trying to build our small group, and we were walking around Marcus's floor and I asked a couple guys to come, and they said, no, I've got eSports club. I've got a meeting. So then the next week, I was like, all right, time to go join the eSports club. We'll see how this goes. So I show up. We're in this tiny room in the union, the, in the basement. There's like four of us. Now the club's huge. It's kind of cool. But I was there with like four other people, and they're talking about these games that I had never heard of in my life. And I'm just like, yes, we will play. I will kill the dragon. <laughs> and I got to know them a little bit. And here's something that I think is kind of cool about this story. That next week, none of them came to small group. I didn't, when I left, I'm like, that didn't work. I'm not going to join a club again. That was stupid. Come around the next year, I see one of them sitting over there. 
Reagan Schonk, up here, met him. He was a part of Kyle for a couple years. So by sowing the seeds and be willing to join clubs that you don't know and be willing to do things that might make you feel a little uncomfortable, there's a potential for people to give their lives to Jesus. Even though I didn't see the fruit, the fruit was there. Jesus saw it. In 1 Corinthians 9, verses 19 through 23, to sum it up, Paul says that we have to become all things to all people to share the gospel or the good news of Jesus. We can't just spend time with the people that we enjoy most. If all of our time is with Chi Alpha people, with your significant other, with other Christians, you will not reach the campus. Instead, we must go outside of our comfort zone and meet new people. One final barrier, barrier that I think we need to remove between our friends and Jesus is the barrier of shame. So many of the people outside of the kingdom of God think they're not good enough or they've messed up too much. They can't be in relationship with Jesus. We have to bridge that gap and love them. We have to be the least judgmental group on campus if we want to see the campus come to know Jesus. To be honest, this is an area I struggle with a lot. It's easier for me to look at people partying when I drive by the hill. Like, how dare you? What are you doing? That's the exact opposite of what King Jesus would do. He would go and love on them. He wouldn't go drink with them. I'm not saying to do that. But he would go love them and make friends with them. We can't look at people's behaviors, but instead we must look at their hearts. View the people around you struggling in sin the way Jesus does, as his little children that he loves so much. We are all so messed up and have all been there. We've all messed up and have all been there. We need to be vulnerable enough with the people who are currently in struggles and who are dealing with shame to tell them, I've been there. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Don't have shame. Come be with us. There are plenty of students who would walk in this door if they didn't feel too shame to do it. Another thing that shame can do is it can scare non-Christians away, but can also scare Christians away from reaching out to their friends. Do not let your past mistakes deceive you into thinking you can't reach out. No matter what you have or even you currently struggle with, God wants to use you to reach the campus. I promise you that you are not too deep in a sin struggle to reach the campus. God uses messed up people all the time. Moses, who was one of the closest people to God in all of history, he led God's people for years, committed murder. King David, the greatest king of all time, the guy who wrote most of the Psalms, the guy who was the father of the family line that Jesus came from, cheated on his wife with another married woman, got her pregnant, and then carried or killed her husband. That's the greatest king we've ever had in the Christian community outside of Jesus. I promise you, you are not too messed up to reach your friends for Jesus. I promise you, you are not too messed up to be used. Peter, the closest disciple to Jesus, denied Jesus to a little girl, and shortly after that led 3,000 people to his name. Paul, the author of the New Testament and the greatest missionary of all time, persecuted and hated Christians and killed Christians for a good chunk of his life. God uses messed up people like you and me. God will use you if you let him. Remove the barrier of shame and condemnation and go reach the campus. If we come together and we do what it takes to remove all these barriers, sometimes maybe that's not enough. It's because we simply can't do this by ourselves. We must realize that reaching the campus requires us to trust in God's power. So we go back to the story of the paralyzed man. Starting in verse 5, it says, And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning their hearts. Why does this man speak like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus perceived in his spirit that they questioned within themselves and said to them, Why do you question these things in your heart? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise, take up your bed, and walk? 
but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. Not only do we serve a God that can forgive sins, we also serve a God that can say, rise, pick up your bed, and walk. God can do the miraculous on this campus. We clearly have seen it tonight. He has more than enough power to reach this campus. But we, on the other hand, lack all that power. We do not have power to reach campus on our own. If we try to do it on ourselves, we will burn out. We won't see the results we want. We'll feel shame and we'll give up. But instead, we need to rely on the power of Jesus every day because there's gonna be haters on this campus. There'll be people like the scribes look around and say, why are you doing that? Who will hate on Chi Alpha? Who will hate on our community? We'll say, this is bad. You are bigots. You, know, you are sinful. You are evil. There are people that will do that. And what we must do is rely on the power of Jesus to get past that, not to argue with them, but instead say, I serve a God and get on your knees and weep for them. If you're not on your knees praying for people on this campus who don't know Jesus, then there is something wrong. We must be weeping for the one on campus. Find a couple people in your life that don't know him and pray for them every single day. I promise you Jesus will show up. Because people, they will reject you. People, they will doubt our God. But if we come together and trust in the power of God, he will overcome it. How can we trust in his power? Spend time with him every single day. Spend time reading his word, praying for the campus, praying for his name to be known in every single crevice of you and I. So please, like I said, pick a few names, pray for them every day. We need to weep for this campus. And maybe you're in this place and you don't have a burden yet for the campus to know Jesus. Get up every day and pray for that. Pray for God to break your heart for the students around you. We cannot convince our friends to know Jesus. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. Will every freshman in the room raise your hand? We've been praying for you for about a year now. We've been praying for God to do the miraculous in your class. We've been praying for God to move in this generation, in this class. Now it is your turn. Start praying for your fellow freshmen. Start praying for next year's class. We can't let what happens die with you. We have to pray for what comes next. Take up the call and seek God for the next wave of you and I students. So a logical question some of you might be having right now is why should I care? Why should I care if the campus knows Jesus? Maybe you're not even sure if you follow Jesus. Before we reach this campus, we have to know our why. Well, if we reach the campus, Jesus will forgive sins and bring true healing. We serve a God who is so powerful. He's so powerful to look at your mistakes and say, son, your sins are forgiven. No matter what you come in here tonight with, God can look at you and say, my son, my daughter, your sins are forgiven. I don't care where you come from. I don't care your background. I love you so much. Your sins are forgiven, just like he did with this guy. When I look at Jesus, he doesn't say, Derek, you are too far gone. You have made too many mistakes. No, he says, thank you for coming to me. Son, your sins are forgiven. Maybe you're in this place and you don't think you can do it all by yourself. Good news, you can't. The paralytic couldn't get up and walk by himself. Instead, he needed a God, a king who says, pick up your bed and walk. Not only does he forgive sins, he also brings true healing. He doesn't look at the paralytic and say, I forgive your sins, now stay in your bed, have fun, they'll carry you up through the roof again. No, he says, pick up your bed and walk. If you are here tonight and you need healing, we serve a God who can do that. Maybe you have so much anxiety that the thought of talking to your friends about Jesus absolutely horrifies you. God can heal that. God is bigger than your anxiety. God can bring restoration and help you overcome your shortcomings to help him reach the campus.
with the power of God, we can overcome introversion. We can overcome extroversion, which can sometimes annoy people. We can overcome both of them. We must come to Jesus and ask for total healing, total forgiveness, and trust him to help us reach the campus. The reason we need to go after this campus is because there are broken people all around us that need to know him. How many of your friends need healing? Maybe they need healing from depression, from anxiety, physical healing, emotional healing, spiritual healing. Guess what? God can do it all. Every struggle that your friends on this campus have, we have a God who can heal every single one of them. And if you truly love them enough, you're going to do what it takes to bring them to his feet. If you love your friends and want them to be healed, get them to Jesus. This campus has so much darkness, alcoholism, sexual addiction, mental health issues. Guess what? We serve a God big enough to heal every one of them. Not only does he provide eternal life and salvation, he also has the power to heal the here and, to heal the here and now issues. If you truly love the people around you, you can't help but bring them to Jesus because you want them to experience his love and experience his healing. So the main idea here tonight is we must do whatever it takes to bring the campus to Jesus. If you came in here tonight and you struggle to reach out to your friends, guess what? There's hope. We have each other. You don't need to rely on yourself to preach and evangelize to every single person on campus. But instead... God is calling you to take one step of obedience, just one, and say, hey, will you come with me? Come with me to Chi Alpha. Go walk with them. Go pick up your friends and walk with them here. When you're walking to Chi Alpha, if you see someone, say, hey, I'm coming to Chi Alpha. Do you want to join me? It's as simple as that. And you've done your step of obedience. God is calling you to that. God is calling you to obedience. Invite them to small group. Invite them to just be your friend. Make friends that don't know Jesus. Maybe when you look at the, all the obstacles between this campus and Jesus, you get so scared. This campus is far from the Lord. Your friends are in such dark places. It's going to take so much work to get them here. You must be willing to count the cost to get your friends to Jesus. You need to overcome your fear of meeting new people, of talking to new people in your class. For me, I had a fear of sitting in a different spot. I loved my chair. Every class, I was like, I'm sitting in that spot. I sat there week one. I'm sitting there every time. Sit somewhere else. Pray to God to highlight someone in your class that needs to know Jesus. We cannot let ourselves be the barrier between our friends and Jesus. We cannot let ourselves be the roof that needs to be removed in order for our friends to get to Jesus. That means making friends with people outside of Chi Alpha. If this is your home and you love Chi Alpha and it's like your number one priority, I'm so grateful. Guess what? It's mine too. I love you. I love that. However, in my time of praying for this message, I realized that God is calling us to something so much bigger than that. That God is simply not okay with us being a bubble of Christians who hang out together, who don't reach out to others. When I look back at my time in college and the students that I hung out with, I realized that a lot of times I was the roof between them and true healing. I implore you guys all tonight to make the decision to not let yourself be the barrier anymore. We just simply can't let this community be the barrier. Go outside of the community, meet new people, and invite them in. It's not like you have to say, all right, I'm never going to talk to Kyle people again. They can all step off. No, it's not that. It's a beautiful cycle. You love your community, so you go outside of it to invite new people into it, 
more people join your community, you have more friends. You love your community. You step outside to invite people. They join. Keeps going on and on and on until 800 people are in this auditorium on their knees worshiping the name of Jesus. If you truly love Jesus, and if you truly love Chi Alpha, if it's your home, you will want every seat in this room filled. That means we have to go outside of the community and go find the lost. We can't let our shame keep others or ourselves from King Jesus. Do not count yourself out. Don't say you aren't worthy. Instead, trust in Jesus and go reach the campus for him. When we go to the lost, we can't come with the spirit of judgment. We must love the campus where it is at and have no condemnation. We cannot be judgmental and expect people to want to be around us. People do not want to be around people that are mean to them. If you're telling them all what they're doing wrong, what they're doing wrong, how they failed, how they messed up, why would they want to join you? No one wants to join a hate group. Instead, we must step above that and step into the calling to love every person around us with everything we have. We must realize that the people in our classes and on this campus have an eternal destination. Every single person on this campus is going to die. And every single person on this campus is going to end up going to heaven or going to hell. You can be the barrier between them getting to heaven by not sharing with them the love of Jesus. If you are in this room and you call yourself a Christian, you have the hope that thousands upon thousands upon thousands of students on our campus need. So many students struggle with so much darkness, with so much hate, so much guilt, so much shame. Depression grows every year. Every year, mental health gets worse. Every year, the situations around us get worse. We have to be willing to take up the call and say, stop that on this campus. Devil, no longer do you have a place at you and I. No longer do you reign in this campus, but instead King Jesus reigns on this campus, and I'm going to do whatever it takes to make that happen. I'm going to go into my dorm and walk around the halls and say, will you come to small group? I'm going to feel uncomfortable for three seconds while they make a decision. And if they reject you, guess what? Dust your hands and go away and go back later and love them again. God is not calling you to get everyone saved. What God is calling you to do is to take a simple step of obedience and tell them who he is. That means stepping outside of this community, stepping outside of this group, and saying, King Jesus, use me whatever way you need to. We have the hope that this campus needs. And this campus is eternal destiny is more important than our comfort zones. Your classmates' eternity is in the balance. Are we willing to count the cost and do something as simple as have a conversation with them to tell them about this community? If you found this community this year and it's changed your life, use that to help other people. Maybe you're in this place and you don't know Jesus. Well, the reason we care so much about this campus knowing the name of Jesus is because he loves each one of us so much. He loves you so much that he's willing to come down to earth live the perfect life, and die for our imperfections. We can only love this campus because we serve a God who loved us first. And if you are in this place and you don't follow Jesus and you feel shame, you feel burdens on your life, chains in your life, God wants to break them. He loves you so much no matter what you've struggled with. Or maybe you're in this place and the shame you're feeling is that you are a Christian and you haven't reached out to your friends. And every day you simply walk to class with your headphones in. 
guess what? You're not alone. I'm a pastor, and that's what I did for most of my time at Chi Alpha. I just feel like God has given us a bigger calling than to do what we've done in the past. By putting your headphones in as you walk, you're removing any opportunity for someone to come and talk to you. By spending all your time with your girlfriend, with your boyfriend, you're removing any opportunity to spend time with someone else, spend time with someone who doesn't know Jesus. I have a burning desire to see this campus know Jesus. To be honest, it's the center of my universe. And if we're going to see 11,000 students on this campus know him, we have to talk to him. If you guys would all stand, please. We serve a God that came down to earth, who is willing to pay the punishment for our sins, who looked at your baggage, who looked at your struggles, and saw that you were destined to spend eternity apart from him. All of us are destined to be, should have spent eternity apart from him. And when Jesus saw that, what he said was, that simply won't do. I'm going to do whatever it takes to spend eternity with them. That means he came, he lived a perfect life, and he died on a cross, bearing the pain and the punishment of our sins. The least we can do is do whatever it takes to let everyone know that. We have a call to reach this campus. If you're in this place and you call Kyle for your home and yourself a follower of Jesus, we have a duty. We're on a mission to reach this campus no matter the cost. We must make a pact to do whatever it takes to see this campus know Jesus. We must be willing to do whatever it takes to see the dream of 11,000 students on their knees worshiping King Jesus. There is simply no time to waste. You never know if the person in your dorm is going to move out, going to drop out. Maybe that person that you sit next to in class is going to drop the class tomorrow. You'll never see him again. You'll never be another person who loves Jesus like you do, who's around them. The answer is simple. It's on you. It's on us. We can do this. The campus can be reached if we're willing to count the cost and do whatever it takes. If you're in this room tonight and this King Jesus guy, this Jesus kind of confuses you, you're just not sure what you think about it, that's okay. But if you're in here and you have shame, you have doubt, and you haven't lived a life that's led to satisfaction, I promise you if you make him the Lord of your life, it'll satisfy you. I promise you it'll bring restoration. We serve a God who can say, rise, pick up your bed, and walk. So we serve a God who can look at you and say, my son, my daughter, I love you. Come be with me. So if you're in this place and you've never said, Jesus, be my king, tonight is your night. Maybe you once followed him and walked away. Or maybe you need to make a decision for the very first time. Tonight is your night. If you need true healing and want to go all in for Jesus, I want you to make that decision right here, right now. So if everyone will close your eyes. We do this every week at Chi Alpha. I'm going to count to three. And when I get to three, if you have never made Jesus the king of your life or you want to recommit to making him the king of your life, I want you to raise your hands. Ready? One, two, three. See those hands. Thank you, guys. I'm going to pray for you. You can put your hands down. Jesus, I love you so much. Thank you for my friends. Thank you for my family here. That we get to spend eternity with you because of our decisions today. Thank you for coming and dying on a cross to bring us true healing. We love you so much. Amen. All right, if you guys would all open your eyes. Because this one, I want us to keep each other accountable on this one, okay? 
I don't want us to make a solo decision to say, I'm going to do whatever it takes to reach the campus, and then no one has to know about it. Instead, we can all look around. We can all see each other. So if you're here tonight and you are a Christian, but if you're honest with yourself, you have not been counting the costs. You've not done whatever it takes to see the campus know Jesus. We're going to respond together. If you have let your fears and your anxieties get in the way of this campus coming to know Jesus, I want that to change tonight. You have to leave your comfort zone. You might have to leave this community for a bit and then come back, bring them back. Don't leave forever. But be willing to do whatever it takes to remove these barriers so our friends can know Jesus. If you haven't been doing that, I want you to lift both your hands to Jesus right now. And the reason we're doing this is not just to do something, but instead by putting your hands up, you're saying, my king, I surrender to whatever you want. You're like a child reaching up for his dad, saying, dad, pick me up and use me. We're going to sing this song again together, and I want you to worship with everything you've got. And when you leave this place, don't let it stay here. Don't let what happened at Fall Retreat stay here, but instead say, I'm going to count the cost and see 11,000 students at least know that there's a guy named Jesus.